This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. For an engineering student, busy days are a lifestyle. From running around to attend classes, studying for exams, managing your time, keeping up with your research, but nothing's been too much for today's guest on the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, and that's Nazek Naja. Nazek is a graduate student and research assistant at the University of Texas at Austin, and she's going to take some time to talk to us about how she managed to build herself up as a geotechnical engineer right from the moment she started her studies. And she'll also be providing some great tips for future engineering students on how they can secure a better chance of getting a job when they finish with their studies. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. But before we get into today's episode, let's hear a word from today's sponsor, PPI. We'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. All right. Welcome to the show. Nazik, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me, Jared. I'm excited for this. Well, it'd be great if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. And also, what are you studying at University of Texas? Hi, everyone. My name is Nazik Nezha. I'm from Lebanon, a little country by the Mediterranean Sea. I'm kind of right now pursuing my master's degree at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, it is a master's degree in civil engineering. I'm focusing in geotechnical engineering. I kind of pursued it right straight after undergrad, where I also pursued it back home at the American University of Beirut. I can say I'm an adventurous person, a kind of very interactive person. I do love to challenge my limits and go above and beyond. And Jared, correct me if I'm wrong. Can I say I'm also the youngest speaker here on the geotechnical engineering podcast? I think you are. Look at that. <laughs> That's good to hear, yes. Want to get the advanced degree in geotech? Like, why did you feel there was a need and why geotech of all studies? First of all, I can say why geotech. My answer is how I got myself into geotech. So it was my second year during undergrad. I was just looking for a job around campus and I was referred to the civil engineering lab because they told me that they had some job opportunities down there. I went there and they told me, you're going to start next week. You're going to be working in a geotechnical engineering lab. And mind you, Jared, I did not have any background. I did not take a geotech course. 
the lab manager taught me everything that I needed. We used to conduct a couple like tests uh, for consultants and contractors. It was kind of open for the public. So she taught me all the things that I needed in terms of equipment, tests, and everything that's necessary. I spent my first semester there. And then right after I took my first geotech class, it was time to take that geotech class. I guess it was the soil mechanics class and everything just made sense. Everything was fit in, everything fits in. And it was just like meant to be. So I just kept on going with geotech. After that, COVID came, unfortunately, it was a blessing in disguise. Tried to do an internship, but no companies were hiring at that time. And I still wanted to focus in geotechnical engineering. But our university launched a research internship. So here I am today, I guess. <laughs> so I wanted to pursue that. I wanted to know a bit more about geotech. I do believe that the courses were immense and I had to take on a lot more information to become a geotechnical engineer. You go into engineering, there's so many different things you can study, right? And when you think about civil, there's so many different things under the umbrella of civil. One could say it's very important to explore different things while you're an undergrad. What are your thoughts about the exploration that happens as an undergrad? Technically, the curriculum is there for us to take everything. And I, I do believe if you get connected with what course, if you feel like there is this one course where you feel like you belong in, reach out to the professor, um, learn a bit more, do some research on it. Research helps. Research kind of tells you like the things they do beyond just the coursework that you're taking. So reach out to your professors, I guess, try to get an internship, at least not during COVID, try to get an internship in that, see what's it like in real life, uh, get advice from professionals who are working out there. I mean, just seek everything that has to do with that kind of field there are a lot there's one way or another one's going to fit in one of them so that's about it what can you say about you know studying geotechnical engineering and the age and era that we live in now where you know it was remote at one time now it's hybrid people have these devices we got chat bots like what's it like studying now geotechnical engineering what are your thoughts i guess one thing that i can say is that Last year, this year, next year, they're all going to be different because a lot of the courses that I have taken, at least they start each and every lesson with a case study. And the case studies could actually be 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, back to 1900s. I mean, we don't know. A lot of things have changed. A lot of the equipment, machines used to be so big. Now they're just small devices that you can just test anything on. So we kind of are learning from our past and the tools have changed. The means of exploring engineering has changed. Everything is computerized. I mean, I myself, I'm not that equipped with the computer. So they, geotechnical engineering still has that aspect of experimenting with your hands and big machinery. So that's where I am actually. Things are changing. So I think we do need to adapt. I feel like also it's not difficult. It's just different from the, the past 20 years. I think in the next 20 years, it's also going to be a lot different. It's just that the means are changing. Even pre-COVID, we are people who work in the outdoors. I mean, we weren't allowed to do so. So people found ways to do that via computer, which is like something that we are trying to get, like the youngsters are trying to get used to. So they're definitely two different eras, but we need each and every era because to continue on each other because I do believe geotechnical engineering is heavily based on case studies and learning from the previous generation. So. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, when I was in, in grad school, some of my favorite things I learned were through the case histories, the case studies. They really, it paints the picture for what someone learned before and how can that help you? So no, it's great. I see that you're the president of the Geo Institute chapter at uh, UT Austin. Tell us a little bit more about your involvement. Why did you you know, raise to that point? What are some of your responsibilities and how do you think it's going to impact your future career endeavors? 
Just a bit of a background about the GEO Institute. The GEO Institute is subfield organization, I could say, of the Nationwide American Society of Civil Engineers, which is the ASE. And it has developed student chapters across the nation, across the world, I can say. Um, so a lot of these geo institutes are within different universities. They have committees who are actually students. So I myself, this is my second year in, at, UD, at UT Austin, and it is uh, my second year at the GI committee. I was a first-year student representative, and then I became vice president in the fall and president in the spring. It kind of has a lot of things that we as engineers try to look for. We want to experience things on both ends, like try to see where we can expand our wings to. So here at UT, the GI kind of has like weekly seminars where we kind of invite speakers from the workforce, professionals, academics. They kind of come to us week by week and talk to us about different projects, like their experience in the geotechnical engineering world, how they had different problems and how they actually faced them and solved them. So these are a few things that we do, especially here at UT. We go on field trips because we learn from class, but we want to see what's happening out there. And basically, we are just a bunch of students trying to expand our wings, trying to see what the world has to offer. We connect on different social events, some uh, field trips, and anything of that sort, maybe be academic or just anything that has to do with professional engineering conferences. So anything that has to do with us exploring. I think as an individual who's part of the committee, um, I have gotten to get into a deeper connection with my peers. I kind of learned things and I saw things that they are, have concerns about that I probably didn't know that it was supposed to be a concern of mine. But eventually, like it, it actually taught me that, oh, I need to be aware of this. So it kind of uh, gave me a full picture of what I need to do as a geotechnical engineer. And some of them are actually pretty older than me. So they're PhD students. And they kind of like advise me who is supposed to be the Geo Institute president. They advise me on fun things to do. So it's kind of like, I really do appreciate it. So yeah, I just try to learn and try to do my best to bring the outside community into our GI UT Austin student chapter. It's a lot to be studying. It's a lot to be doing grad school and then to be doing other things, you know, service oriented. That's a challenge, but it's much appreciated. And I think it does, it really does prepare you for what it's like to be a, a design professional. When you start working, you're going to be looking for ways to kind of give back uh, to the industry and to the communities that we serve. So it's good you're getting that practice now, and that's becoming a part of your the way that you do what you do. So that's great. You were a part of ASCE, you're a part of the student chapter, and then you took on this leadership role. What can you say to folks that might be listening that are thinking of taking on a leadership role, but they're like, ah, I don't think I'm ready. How do I get ready? What are your thoughts for that? How do you accept a role like that? What are your thoughts? Taking on a role like that is not necessary. I guess the way that it happened is, I think it was just like a legacy thing because what happened is I went into my first year of civil engineering. So I still did not start classes, but my friends who were older than me that were already in civil engineering, they kind of told me that, oh, we have a summer camp. Uh, would you like to come? It's just exclusive for civil engineers. I was like, okay, sure. I went there. Um, some of the senior members who are in the committee kind of saw me that I was very interactive. And I was the very first freshman going to that uh, camp. And they told me if I wanted to be the first year representative because they kind of got to know a freshman because it's very hard to kind of know who's coming in as a fresh student. So I started as a first student representative. I went on being an events officer after that secretary. It just kind of kept going. I just started being involved from the beginning and they just kept going up until like my final year where I became president. 
I do believe that I saw a lot of students coming in to me, telling me that they don't know how to become a committee member or they just don't want that much of a responsibility. That doesn't need to happen. I mean, just being part of this organization, signing up, going to the field trips, attending some of the events that we do, just joining our social events. These are things that anyone can do. And actually, a lot of my committee members that were with me during my final years, this is how they ended up being part of the committee. Even though they did take some very important roles, maybe smaller roles, but they were part of it due to a social event or a field trip. They kind of liked the harmony of the entire society. They're like, I wanted to be part of something big. So just taking this first step or initiative doesn't have to be anything that's very major. Sometimes we have members that are usually called members at large, where you can be semi-members, but not really exclusively within the committee, but like very important members. So that is just a basic step that anyone can do. So. It sounds like it is possible. So thank you for that. And what would you say for how to get the most out of it? You're trying different professional organizations. You're like, I don't like this one. I like this one. So now I found one I like. How do I get the most out of that one? And in your case, if we're focusing on ASCGI, you said, oh, I really like this one. How do I get the most out of it? Like, what do you say there? I guess getting the most out of it is just taking a step into the few things that we do. For example, if a speaker comes in on our weekly basis, for example, our speaker come on Fridays. So come in, just watch it. If you want to take a bit of an extra step, talk to the speaker, reach out, kind of connect with them. If we're on a field trip, learn about anything that you're seeing, go back home, check out the project, check out the consultants and the contractors, the designers who are on that project. So it's just the basic extra steps that kind of get you interested in what you want, especially if it's a field that you're interested in. So things could be like as basic as just reaching out to a few people here and there, uh, kind of asking your peers if you don't want to go on to the force, the workforce and kind of asking like the professionals, ask your peers who was interested in this project. Let's chat about it. So maybe we can have a project of our own, like, for example, during some final year project during your senior year or theses or like reports that you have to do during grad school. So these are a few things that can help you out. So do believe that just this is just the extra stuff that people can take. Those that are watching, those that are listening, I hope you're taking notes. This is some really, really good stuff here. Really good stuff here. Someone that's studying geotechnical engineering, so they're a student, they're getting closer to graduation. What can they do to kind of put themselves in a better position to get a job? So this is probably someone that's months away, not weeks away, but months away. Like, What are some of the things they can position themselves better for being employed when they come out of school? Reach out to your professors, your advisors. You're not the first student to be with them. They have a bunch of different students that graduated years ago. I mean, those students might be actually out in the force field. They might connect you because they actually have a lot of connections and they do know where people need to go or they're tailored. Like, I feel like this person fits in this company or that person fits in that company. So they kind of know their way around a lot of different things. Reach out to your student org, ask for an alumni list. So basically, we kind of talk to our alumni, people that graduated a year before me. I reach out to a lot of them, telling them that I'm actually moving to your place. What do you recommend? This and that. So these are a few steps that people can take. And I do believe attending conferences, going to talks, the Geo Congress is our holy grail. I mean, you'll find every single employer at Geo Congress. Try to go there. It's going to be very helpful. Um, reach out to people that can help you to get to that conference because all the employers are there and they're just hungry for employees and they just want you. So just reach out because whether or not things are going to go right. So, All right, great. Well, before we take our break, final piece of advice you'd like to give the uh, future geotechnical engineering students that are out there. 
especially if they're just fresh out of undergrad and they want to pursue um, geotechnical engineering like profession, I do say that I highly recommend going to grad school. Um, it is a must. The amount of knowledge that I've gained over the year is surreal. Even though I have taken like a bunch of different courses or like extra courses during my undergrad, it's just immense. The people that I met, the people that I'm going to be working with, who I know and how things are going to go, just taking on these extra courses. Because right now during grad school, I'm tailoring everything that I want to the need that I feel like I want to provide my future jobs with. So kind of going to grad school. I guess if you're already in grad school, that's about it. You've done everything you needed, but I do feel like just reach out to your peers because your peer, geotechnical engineering is just definitely like a group type of job. Like you cannot pursue a job that is just me and myself. And I, I need to have a bunch of people around me, surrounding me doing the exact same thing. So surround your people, talk to them, learn how they have kind of executed different jobs because as I mentioned earlier, we learn from case studies. We are, it's like a field that has been learning a lot from case studies and everything has been amended after those studies. So you are actually a case study for someone who's going to come right after you. So make sure that it is a well-written and well-researched case study. So, yeah. You talk about case study. We are the case study. I haven't heard it said that way, but I definitely agree with you. And I like what you're talking about as far as building that network of folks I've heard it often said that our net worth is our net work, you know, so it's it's good that we're making those connections. So uh, we're going to come back in just a minute and close this one out with Nazik and our career factor safety end segment. But before we get started, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Simpson Strongtie. Before we go on here, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work-life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Welcome back. It's time for our career factor safety end segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to have a factor safety in your design. But what about having a factor safety in your career? So today, of course, we're speaking with Nazik Naja, who's a geotechnical engineering student at the University of Texas. So Nazik, while you're studying towards your engineering degree, what's something that you've implemented in your studies to give yourself a factor safety against burnout? Like, what have you done for that? Technically, I think a lot of things that have happened throughout the, my two years here at, at UT Austin, because I did juggle research as well as um, coursework, I kind of tried to balance each other. So if I feel like I'm kind of overwhelmed with like coursework, kind of go about reading a paper, trying to get my mind off of a code that's probably not working, a solution that's not make sense. So I kind of like shift my mind and mentality throughout um, different things that I need to do. And being part of the GI, I guess also when research and coursework kind of burn me out, I kind of go back to GI and kind of do a few things here and there. Just try to 
fill out my time. But I do believe that at the end of the day, we're humans and sometimes everything is just feels like overwhelming at some point. So I go about taking a walk, taking care of like my mental health, kind of doing exercises with friends. I do have like a bunch of different people within our society that kind of want to do the same. So we implemented kind of like Friday sports day. So we kind of play basketball, play volleyball. We kind of get like cool down a bit. And sometimes when we're feeling lazy, it's just happy hour, I guess. It's kind of like getting away, even though we kind of go to places that are not far off campus or very close. Like we can still see like are the engineering building haunting us, but we can see it from afar. So all of my UT fellows kind of know where I'm thinking about, like the places that I'm thinking about. But yeah, we kind of get together. And I think sharing with each other the things that we are kind of going through, how our research is going, how the coursework is going, we kind of understand that we feel like we're all in the same boat. So it's kind of like a collective thing, I think, at the end of the day, especially once when we feel like individualistically, it's kind of not working out for us. But like at the end of the day, like we're all in the same boat, I guess everything's going to be fine for us. So that's the factor of safety that we take. Well, that's a great note to end on. Nazik, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all the great insights with us. You share some information. I know it's going to be helpful for those that are watching and listening. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? you have an email you want to share? You're on social media? How can they find you? I guess they can either email me. I think my email is nazikn at utexas.edu. I think I'm also I'm very responsive on LinkedIn. So my name, Nazik Naja, and that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. This is great. Thank you very much for having me, Jared. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 71, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all of your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.